Do you need a specialized recruitment partner to send you only qualified candidates? Do you need interim staff while you conduct a search for a permanent employee? Or are you losing hires to competitors? Renowned talent recruits experienced HIM, RCM, and CDI professionals using their trusted candidate screening and retention process for health systems and employers around the U.S. Whether you have one or multiple openings that you need to fill ASAP, please visit Renowned Talent. Talent.com and tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast. Again, visit Renown Talent, R E N O W N Talent.com and tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast. Looking for a convenient, cost effective solution for interventional radiology coding training? Check out Cracking the IR Code Mastering Interventional Radiology and Cardiology Coding Online Education. Created by interventional radiology coding expert Stacy Buck of RadRx. This comprehensive online training offers access to content for one year, Q&A support available during your one-year enrollment period, hundreds of coding scenarios, and actual operative reports. What are you waiting for? It's time to earn that specialty credential. Go to RadRx for additional testimonials and information, and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. Again, go to RadRx and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to Do Not to Not Elsewhere. Not Elsewhere. Elsewhere. Elsewhere Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Not Else Classified podcast. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. Over 70% of our listeners listen to this podcast with our Apple iPhone. So please pick up your Apple device, go to Apple Podcasts, and leave our show a five-star rating and a review. You can check out Medical Coding Geek and the Not Else Classified podcast on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and also YouTube. You can check out our Facebook groups by going to medicalcodinggeek.com slash services. And while you're there, if you need a speaker or would like to sponsor our podcast or our YouTube videos to promote your brand or service, feel free to reach out to us. And of course, you can find me, Brian Kui. My last name is spelled C-U-I on LinkedIn. So in today's episode, I don't have a guest, but I do want to give you a glimpse of what I've been doing with the YouTube channel that I recently launched a month ago. So this episode is the audio portion of my vlogs that I have been recently doing. Now these are random topics. I basically pick up my camera and if there's something going on with myself, if there's something going on social media, or if there is a coding or clinical topic that sparks my interest, I'll record a very brief video. In these vlogs, again, they are random topics. But in the first half of this episode, I talk about how I get overwhelmed with all the stuff that I do and talk about how I deal with it. And in the second portion of this episode, which I recently released yesterday, it covers the recent events of Ahima stopping flagging for exams. And this was reported in our Facebook group, the RHIT and the RHIA exam support group. 
So without further ado, here is the audio version of the Medical Coding Geek Vlogs. Enjoy. is not it's not there anyways hi guys it's uh it's monday my voice is kind of sore from helping my son train (laughs) with this football so you can hear my voice is a little bit hoarse i wanted to do (laughs) this is gonna be hard to do a podcast anyways i wanted to do a video for the free ceus which by the way are up uh, for the month of May, I think they're 18. So it's, there's more, but I haven't gotten any emails yet uh, to share those specific CEUs. But anyways, it's Monday, long week. I'm adjusting my, my work schedule a bit. I don't want to wake, wake up early. I just talked to my son. Waking up early and it just kind of drains me because by the end of the day, I don't feel like doing anything else, and that includes working out which is something that i did prior to starting work so yeah lots of changes this week hopefully they're good and uh, i'll see you guys in the next entry everybody it is tuesday tuesday morning um i'm just gonna say the phrase fake it Till you make it. When you hear that phrase, how do you feel about that? The reason why I'm asking is because I woke up early this morning to kind of check some stats on the group. Um, I always do my moderation and check the groups how they're going. Uh, I woke up to a comment uh, being reported for a post it was really the the post was generally about you know how do i get started what do i need to do etc and one of the comments that was reported was lie <laughs> lie in the profession which which i don't agree um i went to the comment and i deleted it but then i scrolled down and there was one phrase that kind of stood out by the same person uh fake it till you make it now i have mixed feelings about that and i i put it, i put my thoughts there below because it was actually um, advice given to me when I first started in CDI. Now, I didn't take it negatively, but I took it positively in a way that, yes, I don't feel comfortable in the field. And I've always explained that in podcasts and uh, anywhere in the presentations that when I first got the job in CDI, I felt I didn't deserve the role. So um, I was given the advice, fake it till you make it, which I believe meant that Yes, you're not necessarily a CDI, but we hired you as a CDI, so you need to fake it till you make it till you deserve to be called a CDI. In other words, you have a very high, high, high learning curve that you need to deal with um, before considering yourself a true CDI, I guess, expert per se. So that's what I did. I, I took on the learning curve. I faked it. In, in my essence, the learning curve is the, is the faking part because in the back end, while the facade, the, the front part of yourself is, I guess, 
portraying that you are a CDI in the back end, in the back of your mind, you don't feel comfortable as being a CDI. So in the back end, I'm doing what I can. I'm, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to research. I'm trying to get all this education so that way I can make it. Now, it fe- <laughs> there are some, uh, I guess, opposing, um, opposing views on this. What are your thoughts on that? Fake it till you make it. So I just listened to this podcast, this new podcast uh, by Stacy Buck, which, by the way, I've been bugging <laughs> for so long uh, to create a podcast because the way she has, I guess, in previous podcast episodes that I've had with her, even just in general conversation, she knows how to carry on a conversation. So I just finished it. Uh, I highly suggest you listen to it. It's called Who Cares What Stacy Says. I'm going to leave it up to you to listen to it because at the end she explains how she got this name. And it's interesting because I'm actually part of it. So again, Stacy Buck, uh, her new podcast, Who Cares What Stacy Says. I think it's an appropriate title because I think, you know... <laughs> <laughs> it just came up in conversation. But anyways, uh, listen to the first episode. I highly suggest it. Again, who cares what Stacy says? So this week I changed my schedule back. I could not wake up early enough. But um, with my regular schedule, I could always drop off my son and then come back and finish off work. What I'm really doing uh, is I wanted to show you on my morning walk the reason why I like working at home, as you can hear all this traffic, so I'm about to show you the craziness of what people call here in Central Florida I-4. If you can see all the way back there, there's a it's very, very busy because that's a major highway in Central Florida. And it leads to this major highway. And a lot of, apparently it's so populated that there's uh, this traffic jam, this traffic congestion that leads to Orlando. So imagine if I had to work in Orlando or over west every morning every morning doing this I think I would drive myself nuts so every morning I walk this I'm very thankful that I can work from home It is Thursday. Thursday, again, is 
podcast uh, editing evening, but I'm not going to show you that. I think I've shown you enough podcasting stuff, but what I do want to... Oh, here it is. What I do want to share, because I know I've been talking about a lot of social media stuff, a lot of digital stuff. Where's the coding? <laughs> Where's the coding, Brian? Um... So what I do as a DRG validator, clinical validator um, in my audits, uh, I basically review charts and kind of validate, of course, the DRG and the the clinical side, the clinical conditions. But I had one I do want to share, so I might do this frequently. I do have one that really caught my eye where I had a correct the procedure code, the ICD-10 PCS procedure code. So this was a patient who had an ST elevation myocardial infarction. Patient presented with chest pain, positive EKG, akinesis on the echocardiogram, troponins elevated. I mean, there's no way of of, uh, disproving that. Uh, The patient also had respiratory failure with respiratory distress placed on BiPAP. The one thing that changed this was, you know, with a patient who has a STEMI, they they emergently go to the cardiac catheterization room, and I'm sure they're going to have a stent or whatever it may be. But this case, this patient had a stent, of course, but then also an arthrectomy uh, in the coronary artery. And unfortunately, the case that I had, the, the thrombectomy portion was coded with an approach of open. So for PCS, I'm sure this also falls under CPT, uh, the approach is very important. So out of the full list from the cardiac uh, catheterization report, all of them showed, you know, that they they did a percutaneous approach, except for this code. This code really stuck out like a sore thumb. And it is, if you're an auditor and you're looking over the DRGs, the list of diagnoses, the list of procedures, you can take a look at it if you're experienced enough. And I, I'll probably show you it, how I look over some things and I'm like, okay, and without even looking at the medical record, you can determine what's going to happen or what you need to validate, what you need to look for. It, it, it really sticks out like a sore thumb. So this case, all the procedures were percutaneous except for the arthrectomy. And the arthrectomy was coded as open. So I looked at the report. I validated the report. You know, they, they went through the femoral artery. And I didn't see anything. When you think of arthrectomy, you have to, you know... An open approach, you have to, you know, do astronomy, you have to open the chest. None of that was there. So it was a change. So I had to, you know, write up a letter and say, hey, um, this is supposed to be a percutaneous approach, not an open approach. And this changed a lot of things. This changed the uh, principal procedure, which then switched over to a drug-eluting stent in the coronary artery. That became the principal procedure. And that changed the DRG, the surgical DRG, from a major thoracic procedure to a coronary stent procedure. And the, 
the change in relative weight was so dramatic. So if you're an inpatient, especially if you're coding uh, heart procedures, which I have done. I mean, I've, I've worked in uh, a healthcare system with an open heart, bypass, cardiac cath. You, you, you know it. I probably did it. So, I mean, that's one thing that you have to ver watch very closely for. It is Friday. <laughs> I'm in the middle of being, as you could hear, little little beeping sounds. I am being consulted by uh, YouTuber Blue Garcia. Um, for those that are, I guess, wondering, you know, how to create a YouTube channel, um, monetization, and all that stuff. I mean, I, I went to Blue. And she's she's sending me all of this information. So I'm not gonna show you the screen because I know every time I I put it on this camera, uh, it doesn't show clear. But um, I think out of this conversation, I'm just gonna continue on doing this format with the vlogs and stuff like that. I think it's more real. It's more random. Um, the Cures Act, man. It. <laughs> keep on talking about it but it's stressing me out and I should not be stressed out with creating content I think that's what it is I think I stress myself way too much and again blue is sending me more more stuff so in the comments below do you like these vlogs I mean I really want to continue it but I need feedback let me know all right uh <laughs> it's 2 30 I'm just getting to um, just getting to my break. I started today at eight o'clock, and uh, it was a pretty stressful day. I'm walking because I think I'm a bit. I just need to walk <laughs> walk around my office because it's just been that kind of day. Um, you know, if you guys work remote, dealing with Citrix issues, and then dealing with just lagging lagging of just accessing these medical records uh you know with medical coders and auditors you are based on a productivity and when you have technical issues that slow you down it messes with your productivity and when your employer has certain requirements that you need to meet it just adds a little bit of strain and so that's what i've been going on through going through with today um, which comes to my topic about, I guess, being overwhelmed. Have you guys ever felt overwhelmed? I'm sure you guys have. Today was just <laughs> was just one of those days. I think what triggered it was today. And that led to me thinking about this YouTube channel, which I reached out to Blue Garcia. And I think this format that I'm doing right now with the vlogging uh, is where I'm going to go because it's just so much so much to do and it's to the point that i'm not having fun and i think because when i started with these vlogs um i started to have a little bit of fun and the 
editing process is so much better. Um, another thing that I want to talk about in terms of being overwhelmed is the feeling. You know, when you are feeling overwhelmed, it it feels like like this this office here is filled with water, and the and the and the water level is just going up. But then you're 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 down here with weights on your legs, and you can't get up there, right? And that's what I feel like at certain times when I'm managing Facebook groups, when I'm managing uh, a podcast, when I'm creating videos, and just looking at the stats, I think that's what's bothering me too, is when you put in so much work into something, and the returns are not as what you expected. And, I, I, and I'm trying to keep myself patient because, you know, it does take some time. I'm trying to revert back to when I did the podcast, I wasn't expecting great returns on the podcast. And even after three years, I mean, I, I have a good audience. I have a good audience about, you know, 300 or 400 people. That's fine. So after talking with Blue, I think I'm just going to stick with this format. And when I told her that, I told her there was a lot of um, weight that just came off the shoulders. Uh, really, it, it did. And I think I'm going to stick to that format. And I will again do the <laughs> the stupid cures act. I, I I'm just gonna say it. It's it's just for a, for a medical coding professional, an auditing professional, to revert back what they had to do in their HIM days. It is tough. I haven't done anything HIM since 2005. <laughs> 2005, and then and then to try to take what you have done and learned in school back in 2003 2004 and try to apply that now it it hurts my head but i will do it i will create a video on the cures act <laughs> but uh it'll happen but i think it'll happen on my terms MedicalCodingGeek.com Project Resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at ProjectResume.net. Please make sure to reference Medical Coding Geek when you place your order. The Haugen Consulting Group offers healthcare consulting, education, and auditing services utilizing a team of industry experts specializing in leadership, project management, and assessments for HIM and patient access. Their auditors and educators are experts in facility and professional fee coding and offer education for ICD-10-CM, PCS, CPT, HIM, patient access, and revenue cycle. The Haugen Consulting Group is thrilled to be a partner with MedicalCodingGeek.com and the Not Also Classified podcast. Go to thehaugengroup.com slash shop and use promo code GEEK15 at checkout to receive a discount on webinars and desk aids. Again, go to thehaugengroup, H-A-U-G-E-N group.com slash shop and use our promo code GEEK, G-E-E-K-1-5 at checkout. 
Hello everybody, it is Monday afternoon. Now I normally start vlogs <laughs> in the morning and I'm so exhausted. So I think it would be better just for the vlog itself, for the channel itself, if I keep up my energy instead of being droggy and droggy and so sleepy. Anyways, I am uh, weird schedule this week. Uh, along with my son's football, my kids have testing. And so I had to take my son to school, pick him up, and then drop him off again. So I'm not going home and dealing with the traffic. Anyways, today's topic, if you're hearing my slippers, it's, it's doing some squishing sounds as my slippers. I'm gonna stop for a second. I'm gonna put a, um, a screenshot from LinkedIn and this screenshot is from one of the Facebook groups I manage which is the RHIT and RHIA exam support group and the issue is taking the well whatever a HEMA exam any of the HEMA exam which includes the RHIT the RHIA, CC, CCS, and probably the CDIP, and I think also the CHDA if they still offer it. Um, one of the things that had happened is that through the through the testing, well, with the testing, they removed flagging. And let me get over here. Let's do this. All right, that's better. So I'm going to actually read the um, the post. And it said, I've seen people asking about returning to questions on the RHIT and RHIA exams. I contacted HEMA on this, and this was their response. Questions cannot be flagged for review during the exam. All questions must be answered at the first encounter. We hope you find this information helpful. Now... <laughs> First off, I don't understand why that's not allowed anymore. Why this was discontinued? Was this an AHIMA decision? Was this a Pearson View decision, which is the testing site for those that are preparing for their exam? I don't understand that. Where, because the thing is, is that when I took my CDIP exam back in 2015, I was allowed to do that. You know, when you t when you go through the exam, which is 180 questions, you know, one of the first things that I say is answer the questions you don't know, pass the questions you don't know. Now, this changed everything. It, it forces you to answer the questions as you see it without flagging it. And so if you see the question, you have to answer it, which totally does not make sense to me. Now, in the professional world, you are able to take on situations and problems and go back to them and answer them again. You know, you're, you're not going to make a quick decision on a problem so that way you can fix it. This should not be applied 
to the exam process. If you feel that you need to answer the question, but you don't have the full answer, then you need to go back and answer it again. So the flagging process is totally warranted. If you can flag it, then you can go back to it. Now, I, the, the, the problem is, is that I don't see why this is happening. Now, if you followed in my, um, in my podcast, I've talked about how with the CDIP exam, they actually removed an experience requirement from the CDIP exam before they used to require that test takers for the CDIP exam, which is the CDI credential, they require them to have at least two years of experience, require. Now it's just a recommendation, which is weird to me. Um, what are they doing? What are they doing? You know, in comparison to the AAP, AAPC exams, you pay a fee. I mean, you have two, choi- two, two attempts but it is in a paper-based environment. And in that paper-based environment, you're able to go back to your questions. So why do we have the stringent process of answering questions? And for most people that, um, that responded to my LinkedIn post, it can increase test anxiety. I'm sure it does. Because if you're given an, uh, a question and you cannot answer right away, and you cannot go back and answer, you're gonna to have to make some quick decisions. And those quick decisions in relationship to healthcare does not translate well. So that's all I gotta say. So uh, hopefully this is something that I'm gonna follow. But if there's anything that is updated from this exam process in any of the exams, the RHIT, RHIA, CCS, CDIP, CHDA, and uh, the privacy and security ones, let me know. looking <laughs> I was looking at the video from from yesterday at that park and I look really hot <laughs> and also I keep on telling my asking myself why am I always wearing black so um, I'm wearing a different color today I don't know why they removed that out whose decision was that was it a Hema's decision was this a Pearson view decision the real question that we have to ask ourselves is what is the objective of all of this? Uh, you know, AHIMA is a big organization. They have the power to do whatever they want. Um, however, it is up to them to listen to feedback. Who gave that? Who gave that suggestion, anyways? Again, is it AHIMA? Is it Pearson View? I'm totally confused because it tightens up the requirements for. The exam you know the things that they they don't really announce you just hear it from people uh, is something that that boggles my mind like why like why am I hearing this in my group why couldn't this be a um, like t- 
talk about exams, Ahima. Send out newsletters about new updates, not just the fact that you're doing a beta testing. What new features are being changed so that way your exam takers can be well prepared? Taking out flagging, okay. What what you know? Let let the uh, exam takers solve a problem, create a resolution for that. But if we don't know, if we're blindsided, how do we know how to adjust? I did some more digging or more questioning because after what I had discussed about the the flagging issue, the real question is. Was there communication about it? And I went back to the RHIT and RHIA exam support group and did a search on flagging. When when was the last time that someone said that they could flag a question? And in this group, it was in September. So I posted a question in the group asking, you know, such and such, when was the last time that you were able to flag? Or when was the first time you were not able to flag? And the last time that somebody was able to flag was in November. And then the first time that examinees could not flag their questions was in March. So in my my next question would be, did Ahima communicate this? If anything, they should at least communicate it to the members. Now, one source that I think should have had known about this should be HIT HIM instructors. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read this response um, from Awanda. And she says, I took the test in September 2020. She could flag the questions. She retook the exam on April 30th and could not flag the questions. I reached out to my advisor and director of HIM where I received my degree in HIM and told them about the change and they were appalled and knew nothing about the change. I reached out to Ahima to express my concern about non-flagging of questions and got some BS answer. What's going on here? I mean, with all of the communication platforms that Ahima has, even a podcast, they can't tell people about this. This is important, really important. I know we're all about trying to, you know, Ahima's trying to, you know, catch up and talk about the industry, but what about your members? With all the sitting and lack of walking and working out, my back has been somewhat hurting, not in pain, but I'm starting to feel it. Uh, so one thing that I do, aside from walking, is work on my back. So this here is a, this is how many pounds? 40 pound kettlebell. And I mean, you don't have to get 40 pounds, but what I do if I'm not active, if it's busy, like around this time of year, um, I'll grab this kettlebell and I'll do what's called kettlebell swings. And this should work 
my back. Uh, it should work my back, my legs, right in the lower back because I sit in this chair, man, for eight to 10 hours a day. And so I put a rule now, <laughs> I've done this before, that every time I get up to either use the bathroom, get coffee, whatever I need to do, um, I'll do 20 kettlebell swings. Now, do you, <laughs> I'm not gonna put this on video, maybe I might have to put this like on a, a Patreon or something like that. So if you wanna see me do kettlebell swings, <laughs> you won't see it here. crazy because <laughs> I had to drive to the school three times. Uh, one for one for my kids testing, pick them up, drop them off, pick them up, then come back here, then work, then drop my son off for football practice, come back, then pick him, then go back and pick him up one more time. Today I'm starting my day at 11 o'clock, so I do have some time. But I was scrolling through um, LinkedIn uh, and saw an interesting post on elevated proponents and how there's going to be a upcoming code. I don't know what the code is for myocardial injury, uh, which to me in its interpretation means <laughs> elevated proponents. So when you think of elevated troponins, you automatically think um, a myocardial infarction. That's not the case. So anytime you see an elevated troponin with nothing else, you have to question, well, what's causing the elevation in troponin? What's causing that? What's the underlying cause? And in most cases, it's not going to be a myocardial infarction. Uh, you could have elevated troponins because of sepsis, trauma, um, inflammatory diseases, uh, chronic kidney disease can elevate it, but not necessarily a cardiac issue. So in the grand scheme of things, you have to look at the whole entire record. If there's no symptoms, if there's no positive EKG, TEE, um, was cardiac involved? Those are things you gotta look at before jumping the gun. And assuming that, oh, let's query for uh, <laughs> a myocardial infarction, you're gonna you're gonna be looked at weird. So the code for myocardial in, in injury, myocardial injury, will be a CC. That's interesting because there's a specific code for elevated troponins, I believe, uh, troponemia. So. I'll be watching this because it's it's interesting from both standpoints, from a CDI standpoint, but also from a denial standpoint. Uh, the specific code, I don't know, but again, it's going to be a CC. So to finish, I guess, this portion of the blog or this portion of the topic in regards to the flagging situation on exams for AHIMA. Um, 
I gave you guys information in, in the previous entry. I just wanted to update and kind of finalize this last part of today's vlog. Um, I went back to the group and someone told me that Ahima supposedly put a statement, but when I went to the Ahima website, went to the certification process, went to see if they had any updates. There was an update on March 1st of this year, but there was nothing mentioned in regards to this flagging process. So I even checked my emails uh, in regards to, because I signed up for, I think when it used to be Engage, uh, the platform that Ahima used to use was engaged and one of the subgroups that I joined was certifications on, on everything and there was no mention of it in February no mention of it you would think they would do something because apparently it had started in March um, nothing in the emails nothing in any of the emails afterwards and also keep in mind that March and March they changed their, I guess, uh, social media platform, whatever they have on a HEMA side to access. So I check access, there's, not, there's nothing there. So I'm really trying to find out, you know, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong, maybe, maybe they did let somebody know, but I could not find anything. Anyways, um, a colleague reached out to me on LinkedIn after I put a post up, um, with the 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 you know in regards to all of this um and she shared me this email that was sent today so changes were made or noticed in march today is may 12th and this email comes from kahim c a h i i m which is the commission on accreditation for health informatics and information management education is that right? Yeah, Kahim. Um, Kahim accredits education institutions to make them certified or accredited to be able to provide education for the RHIT or the RHIA. And so let me read this email. It came today. I hope this email finds you. Kahim wanted to alert you to a change in the HEMA credentialing exams that was brought to our attention. <laughs> so, so you're telling me AHIMA did not communicate to Kahim about this. So they're just finding about this now. Maybe they saw my LinkedIn post. Anyways, to continue the email, questions can no longer be flagged and returned to any AHIMA credentialing exam. Please alert any students preparing to take these exams that this flagging function is no longer available. I love the ending. Have a great rest of your day. <laughs> Aside from lack of communication, I mean, really. Emotional intelligence, people. That's how you end an email. Anyways. What a crazy week. I'll see you guys in the next video. MedicalCodingGeek.com
So there you have it. That is the audio version of my vlogs for the Medical Coding Geek YouTube channel. To give you an update on the second half, one of my colleagues who works as a chair for an HIT program gave me a heads up about an email that was sent by the vice president of credentialing in where they reversed the previous changes that they made to the exams. And now they allow flagging, they allow examinees to go back and answer their questions. So again, I hope you enjoyed the audio version. If you do and you want to see the visuals, because I'm sure there are a lot of stuff that you are wondering, what did he do in that portion of the episode? Please go to youtube.com slash metal coding geek videos. And while you're there, you can go ahead and subscribe and like all the videos. So that way we can get into that algorithm and make the channel popular. MedicalCodingGeek.com